Welcome to Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio with author, speaker, and your host, Pat Rulo. And now, your host, Pat Rulo. Hello and welcome. I'm Pat Rulo, the voice for patient safety. I'm so happy you've taken the time to join me. And today, I have lots to share with you. So, let's dig right in, shall we? Well, today, I want to share a couple of things that's on my mind, that's across my desk. I'm going to leave the election alone because that is just so fluid that it's changing every three minutes. Let's just wait until we know something a little bit more before we talk about it. Um, I want to start with a short article by Dr. Vernon Coleman, one of my favorites out of the UK. He has a new article called, What is COVID for? What's it all about? What do they really want? He says, life is full of puzzles. Some mysteries cannot be solved. For example, why do supermarkets always stock the same number of custard-filled donuts as they have of jam-filled donuts when they must know that the jammy ones always disappear first, leaving a pile of the custard-filled variety? Storekeepers must know that most people want the jam ones, so why do they order equal quantities of both? That is a mystery to which I doubt I will ever find a solution. But some mysteries are more easily solved. For example, it isn't difficult to see what the coronavirus hoax is all about. So it is, of course, patently clear that the lockdowns, the masks, the social distancing, the closure of hospital departments, the closure of schools, the closure of businesses, and the absurd restrictions on our free movement have absolutely nothing to do with a virus known to be no more deadly than the flu. Anyone who says this in public is, of course, immediately demonized as a conspiracy theorist and bullied and libeled everywhere. But it is clearly the truth, and it's a truth which the establishment, those promoting the myth that COVID-19 is a serious deadly global pandemic, does not want spreading. Actually, the truth is a rare commodity these days. The chaos that is being caused around the world is unnerving and the greatest threat to humanity since the Black Death. The difference is that the Black Death was a natural disaster. What is happening now is contrived, artificial, and being deliberately exaggerated. And is it just me, or have you noticed how much of the nonsense seems to be coming out of Imperial College in London? Bill Gates' country. We think most about what is happening in our own countries, of course, but the disaster in Africa is going almost unnoticed, and yet it is truly a disaster of unimaginable proportions. Expert mathematical modelers, excuse me if that phrase makes me grimace, advised the United Nations, and as a result the official forecast from the UN, was that there would be up to 1.2 billion cases and 3.3 million deaths from COVID-19. African countries introduced lockdowns and did all the stupid things they were told to do. And inevitably, things went terribly wrong. Cases of malaria and tuberculosis went undiagnosed and untreated, and both will now be spreading and killing millions. Maternal mortality is soaring, and so I suspect will infant mortality. Around 10% of Africa's population will descend into extreme poverty. 
the number of deaths from starvation will soar. Was that really by accident? Or could it have been part of the depopulation plan? Proof that the chaos was avoidable comes from Malawi. The wise government there did not impose strict lockdown rules, even though the prediction was 50,000 deaths. The result was that out of a population of 19 million, there were just 176 COVID deaths. And that is yet more proof, to add to Sweden and Japan, showing that the lockdown measures were a total disaster. Even the World Health Organization is opposed to lockdowns. So, apart from killing people, and thereby helping to reduce the size of the world's population, what was the point behind the COVID-19 arranged hysteria and carefully orchestrated panic? The answer, of course, is simple. The plan was to disrupt our lives and redesign the world to suit the Agenda 21 lunatics and to please the billionaires who are still greedy and want to be trillionaires. I believe that people like the Clintons in the U.S. and Blair in Europe have been behind much of what's been going on. The plan was to alter the social fabric of every country in the world, to ruin the financial security of everyone not already a billionaire, to abolish private property, to destroy health care, to eliminate privacy, and to terrorize the world into accepting a new world order. They want to reinvent education. They want to stop learning and just test, test, and test. In the future, education is going to be controlled through the Internet. Closing schools was part of that. Teachers who voted to keep schools closed were doing precisely what the billionaires wanted them to do. The aim was and is to force populations everywhere to accept mandatory vaccines, preferably an RNA-DNA vaccine. The idea was to push us into a position where the majority would be so desperate and to accept an untested and possibly dangerous vaccine that they would queue up to risk their lives for a hope of some normality. They want to control movement and stop us traveling. We soon won't be able to travel anywhere. How much longer do airplanes have? They want to put an end to private cars. Trains and buses seem doomed. They want to store us in high-rise towers in big cities. They want to close the countryside to us and keep rural areas empty. Our food will be made in factories, not grown on farms, for they want us to stop eating food grown the old-fashioned way. How safe will this new genetically modified food really be? They want to change the way we work, with millions of jobs being handed over to robots. Those training as doctors, lawyers, and teachers have a decade's work ahead of them at best. They will all be replaced by computers and the Internet. They want us all to be dependent upon the state, with everyone receiving a fixed weekly wage, just enough to live on. They want us vaccinated regularly to keep us under control, to make us sicker, possibly to sterilize us, and certainly to boost drug company profits. They want to remove ambition and hope from our minds. They want us to learn to blame ourselves for everything that goes wrong. People who feel ashamed are easier to control. And more than anything, perhaps, they want to reduce the world population by 90% or so. Billions are going to have to die, though I have a suspicion that there aren't going to be many politicians or billionaires lined up in the world's morgues. Isn't it convenient that the lockdowns in Africa 
are going to kill countless millions? That will give the depopulation program a good start. They want to introduce a global social credit, such as has been introduced in China, so that we are penalized if we misbehave and rewarded if we do as we are told. We will be penalized for what we eat, how much we spend, or even who our friends are. Everything we do will be watched and assessed. They want to crush and destroy all opposition. They want to eradicate the elderly and the sick. They want to increase the role of the state in raising children. Much of this has already started in the last six months. Hospitals have been putting do not resuscitate notices on patients over the age of 65 or in some places over the age of 45. They have been planning all this for many decades. But Agenda 21 and the immediate threat to our humanity and our survival is more recent. It really got going with the formation of the United Nations at the end of World War II. Then there was the formation of the Club of Rome in 1968 and the World Economic Forum, which was originally founded in 1971. In 1976, the United Nations quietly announced its plan to control the world's land and to manage the world's population. And then in 1991, the Club of Rome announced that since humans are very often best motivated by an enemy of some kind, they would need a global enemy something the citizens of every country could share. And they chose global warming, to which they allied food shortages and water shortages. The beauty of this was that they could blame us for it. We could be targeted as the authors of our own downfall. And then, in June of 1992, at a conference in Rio de Janeiro, a total of 178 countries signed up to a plan to target global warming. Bang! That was it. But the problem we face at the moment really came into the fore in the last half of the century. The bad people have been working on it since then. Global warming has been the key they have used to open up the new normal, the global reset, the new world order. Many have been distracted by a number of problems which were built up to take our attention. But I think we're awake now. We know what the plans are. And we know that defeating this current plan to take over the world and eradicate our humanity will not be enough. They want a global reset. They want to change our lives to fit their purposes. We have to get rid of them. We have to imprison the ringleaders and the bureaucrats who have worked on their behalf by using existing laws of malfeasance. And we have to eradicate their plans from our future. We will win this war. Interesting, right? He talked about vaccines. Well, everybody's all excited about the new vaccine because Pfizer says trials show the COVID vaccine is 99% effective. But questions remain on safety. From the Children's Health Defense Team, Pfizer announced last Monday preliminary analysis of its COVID-19 vaccine trials that indicates the vaccine will be 99% effective. The news sent stocks soaring and had the media all but doing cartwheels. The Pfizer CEO said the vaccine is, quote, the greatest medical advance in the world's last hundred years. And he says, quote, he feels very good about the safety. But Pfizer's data, delivered in a news release, not a peer-reviewed medical journal, is not conclusive evidence that the vaccine is safe and effective. And the initial finding of more than 90% efficacy could change as the trial goes on. 
We need to see the actual data, and we're going to need long-term results. Here's a reminder that the Pfizer vaccine, if approved, will be the first to use an as-yet unproven technology platform that relies on something called messenger RNA, usually shortened to mRNA. Moderna is also working on a messenger RNA vaccine. And in May, Children's Health Defense reported that clinical trials for Moderna's vaccine had a 20% serious injury rate in its high-dose group. Commenting on Pfizer's latest vaccine news, Mary Holland, Vice Chair and General Counsel for Children's Health Defense, said, New vaccine technology will likely mean new kinds of vaccine injuries. Because there has never been a licensed messenger RNA vaccine before, we really don't know what injuries are going to look like. In that the vaccines were developed so quickly with such short clinical trials, the long-term injuries are a complete unknown. So what exactly is messenger RNA technology? Like other vaccines, messenger RNA vaccines work by training the immune system to recognize a threat like a virus and to begin producing antibodies to protect itself. But while traditional vaccines often use inactivated doses of the organisms that cause the disease, this mRNA vaccine is designed to make the body produce those proteins itself. Messenger RNA a molecule that contains instructions for cells to make DNA is injected into cells. In the case of COVID-19, the mRNA vaccines provide instructions for cells to start producing the spike protein of the new coronavirus, the protein that helps the virus get into cells. Now on its own, the spike protein isn't harmful, but it triggers the immune system to begin a defensive response. As Bill Gates, ugh, who has supported companies like Moderna and BioNTech through the Gates Foundation has described it, he says, quote, you essentially turn your body into its own manufacturing unit. Holland and others are concerned that the combination of novel technology, fast-track approvals, and widespread panic that could trigger new vaccine mandates may lead to unprecedented types and numbers of injuries. Pfizer, which is developing its COVID vaccine in partnership with German drug maker BioNTech, recently confirmed that the drug maker will seek emergency use authorization for its COVID vaccine from the FDA once they have completed clinical trials. Another jewel, Dr. Anthony Fauci, previously stated that long-term immunity to COVID will be possible only if the vast majority of the public gets vaccinated and that a vaccine will go hand-in-hand hand with continued public health efforts. He also told analysts in October that initial COVID vaccines won't kill the virus, only prevent symptoms. Now, vaccine makers are already shielded from liability from vaccine injuries under the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act of 1986 and will even be more protected against COVID vaccine injuries. The Federal Register in March published a declaration under the Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act for Medical Countermeasures Against COVID-19, which effectively sets up a new COVID vaccine court. 
This new declaration expands the existing focus on injuries or deaths related to the recommended vaccines for children and pregnant women to specifically include injuries stemming from a new COVID vaccine. Got nothing to lose if it doesn't work, right? Now, Pfizer and BioNTech didn't take money for research and development of their COVID vaccine under the federal government's Operation Warp Speed program, but the program has promised Pfizer $1.95 billion, billion, I said, to deliver 100 million doses to the federal government, which will be given to Americans free of charge. Ooh. Pfizer set up a facility in Kalamazoo, Michigan, on a stretch of land the size of a football field in anticipation of delivering up to 100 million doses this year and another 1.3 billion doses in 2021. And coming on the heels of that, the New York State Bar Association on last Saturday passed a resolution urging the state to consider making it mandatory for all New Yorkers to undergo COVID-19 vaccination when a vaccine becomes available, even if people object to it for religious, philosophical, or personal reasons. Coming to a state near you. And finally, here in Ohio, the governor, DeWine, had a press conference on Monday, November 9th, I watched it, during which he ducked out in the first two minutes, stating he had another meeting to attend. <laughs> so let me get this right. There's 24 hours in a day, right? So you call a meeting at two o'clock to address the citizens whom you supposedly represent, and then you go hide because you have another meeting? Hello? Make it for three, make it for one, make it for noon. Anyway, he had three hospital zone representatives do his bidding by offering their version of the scare tactics. In a nutshell, here is what was said. I took notes. The Cleveland Clinic has 300 patients throughout their system currently with COVID, using only 10% of the beds. Death rates are down, and that's the good news. They have plenty of protective gear and ventilators. However, the issue is caregivers are getting COVID in large numbers, making staffing a problem. And they said that the caregivers are not getting the virus from within the hospital, but rather from the community setting. Their bottom line, as they stated, we cannot take care of patients, especially patients coming in for acute situations, if this trend doesn't change. So, Hospitals can no longer play the game that people are dying right and left and hospitals are overcrowded with virus patients because the word is out. Yes, the word is out. I've read it everywhere. I've had people telling me personally because doctors, nurses, and other healthcare workers admit to their family and friends when they go home that the hospital is in fact not inundated with COVID patients. So you can't blame PPE or the ventilators anymore. So let's come up with a plan. Let's blame the community for spreading it to the healthcare workers. Because as Vernon Coleman just said, they want us to learn to blame ourselves for everything that goes wrong because people who feel ashamed are easier to control. Well, I'd like to know where is the science in the statement that healthcare workers are not getting the virus from the hospital, but rather from the community? How do they know that? Does the virus present a receipt as to where it originated? Do we really think that exhausted healthcare workers are going home to wild and large unmasked parties? 
and worse. Now we have healthcare threatening us that if we don't wear filthy cloths to obstruct our breathing, and if we don't cower in fear, if we walk by someone closer than six feet, then we won't get hospital care if we need it. That was the takeaway from the press conference. Irresponsible statement that cannot be corroborated with any kind of science to pretend to know where healthcare workers are picking up the virus? Probably from the germ-laden masks they're forced to wear in a hospital environment riddled with germs. But that doesn't fit the narrative, does it? That doesn't do enough to scare you and me. So, let's also tell everyone, if we don't get this fake lie under control, no healthcare for you. Do you remember Seinfeld's soup Nazi? No soup for you. Sounds similar. No healthcare for you. Shame on complicit healthcare. Is there a vaccine for that? Very good. Very good. No soup for you. Come back. One year. Listen to Pat Rulo and Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio. Stay safe from little-known healthcare and hospital hazards. To learn more, go to speakupandstayalive.com. That's speakupandstayalive.com. And finally, I mentioned a few weeks ago that 2020 may be my last year for this radio show. I thought the election results might give me some clarity, but obviously nothing is clear. Here are my thoughts, and perhaps you have some solutions. Back when I started this show, patient safety was largely a topic reserved only for healthcare scholars to ponder. There were no radio shows or podcasts on the topic. Speak Up and Stay Alive was, in fact, the first. And I must say, I do think it was a grassroots consumer movement that played a part in making some positive changes in healthcare. Fast forward to today and to my last segment on today's show. Healthcare has quickly chosen sides. Their hand is out, calling everything COVID in order to reap financial benefits, and that is a non-disputable fact. Even President Trump mentioned this during one of his last rallies, and I nearly fell off my chair when he said, we have to look into that. Why are hospitals getting paid to call everything COVID? Why are death certificates labeled COVID? And I say hooray for an honest statement. Look where that gets him. So perhaps patient safety is a non-issue. No one can advocate for a patient's safety if they are not allowed in the room, in the hospital, in the doctor's office, in the nursing home. How convenient. Now healthcare doesn't have to worry about patient safety. Who will know the difference? Call it COVID, get paid, and move on. I fear that healthcare is not on our side. This makes this show and the message this coming year even more important than it ever was in the past. Where else are people to get this kind of information that's honest and well-researched? I have yet to find any place. You may not know this, but I personally fund this show, and I have since the beginning. Airtime is not free. I sign an annual contract in December that holds me responsible for payments for the next 12 months. And I've happily invested in the show monetarily because I've always felt that the patient safety message was missing. And after my mom's horrible healthcare events, I wanted to make sure that others didn't find themselves in the position we did. And the radio show has allowed me to spread that message around by giving me hundreds of speaking events. 
In fact, as of January 2020, I already had 27 speaking events lined up for this past year. And the book sales from the events always bring in funds to cover the hard costs of airtime. People hear the show and invite me to speak to their groups. But all speaking events got canceled this year, and I think it's fairly safe to say that 2021 will be the same. So I'll end by asking this question. If you know someone who is willing to donate or fund the show in its entirety for a year, let me know. Now I can ask for smaller amounts like $50 or $100 from many people, but if it doesn't add up, then I have to return money and it just gets messy. So if there's someone out there who believes in the message, who loves the show, who has $5,000 to see to it that we continue, let me know. The person will remain anonymous and will not have any say over my content. Email me at pat at speakupandstayalive.com. That's pat at speakupandstayalive.com or call, leave a message, 440-725-5462, 440-725-5462. And now, my friends, it's time to go, but please come back next week, same time, same place, but as always, never the same information. Until next week, I hope you have a very healthy and a happy week. I am Pat Rulo, and I am the voice for informed choice, honesty, and patient safety. If you've missed part of today's show or just want to share the information with friends, you can listen to all of Pat's previous shows at speakupandstayalive.com. Want even more information? Purchase a copy of Pat's book at speakupandstayalive.com. Once again, it's speakupandstayalive.com. Or you can call Pat at 440-725-5462. Until next week, remember, you have to speak up and stay alive.